Precious Father, I pray that your word, the word of the Lord, will have free course here today, and your word will be glorified among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay, we're talking about healing, because so many people are sick. So many people need healing. And the message of the church also includes healing. Some have emotional problem, physical problem, spiritual problem. So the topic today is healed through the mercy of God. Our text is 2 Corinthians 16 from verse 7. It says, at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because, because, it's because of this thing, because you relied on the king of Syria and not on the Lord your God. The army of the king of Syria has escaped. We are not the Ethiopians and Libyans, a huge host, with, every, with very many chariots and horsemen. Yet because you relied then on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. But this time you are relying on human beings, and you're lost. So but he told him something which is very revealing, that's where I'm going. He said, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose eyes are blameless before him. He said, your loss doesn't mean that God is not compassionate. That doesn't mean that God is not good. It doesn't mean that God is not looking for who to bless. It's because you didn't rely on him. He said, God's eye is running. Brethren, can you imagine that God says, I'm running to and what? The whole you know, searching for, searching for. He said, you lost. does not change the character of God. He didn't change the character of God. He stayed searching for who to bless, who to help, who to deliver. God is intrinsically good. And we say that God is good all, you see, you're not serious now. God is good how? All the time. But do you really mean it? You know, we say, the Lord said to me one time, he said, do you know what you sing in church? If you people really believe it, he said, my power will explode it. He said, but you sing it out of your head. We, we, have, we have learned this theology that is very, very dangerous, that God is too difficult to deal with. God is, that's what we grew up learning. God is so tough. To, you know, if you do this, he sends you to hell. Don't do it. He'll kill you. He'll give it. You know, there's one man that used to teach us, God, my, 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 my first cousin, he taught me about multitude, that is, monitude, that spirits that follow Jesus, beating drum for him. So I believed it, that Jesus had all these spirits that monitude, you know, they beat, uh, you, know, you know what, we, they take this pot that they used to make music. So growing up as a child, that was my impression of Jesus, that spirits were following him around and beating this drum for him. Monitude, you know, multitude. We had all manner of wrong teaching about who God is. All manner, and it sounded religious. It's fitted into the wicked heart of man because man is like that. It really it really fits into human mode. The Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked. So we think God is like that. So we think, yeah, that's the way he should be. But God says, I'm not a man. We need to unlearn a lot of things 
that we were taught growing up about God. Some people don't believe that if they pray simple prayer that God will answer. Oh no, there has to be punishment for themselves because they have this wrong, erroneous belief that God is too difficult and too hard to deal with. But God is intrinsically good in nature. God is merciful. God is compassionate. Can you say it with me? God is good. God is merciful. And God is compassionate. Very, very compassionate. Extremely compassionate. And look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about judging everybody. You know, I'm not going to heal you because you didn't do this. What was he doing? He went about doing what? And healing what? All that were oppressed of the devil. For God was, but you say, this is what God does. God is good, people. God is merciful. Do you know that in writing to the church, the Holy Spirit told the church that if you can do every miracle you want to, but if you are not living in love, you are worth nothing. You are worth absolutely what? Nothing. So if you like, move mountains. If you like, speak with, speak with the, yeah, like canary, you know, spiritual language, whatever. But if you do not love, you are zero. That will tell you what, that, what it means to God. You are not living his nature. I say he who does not love does not know God. We need to rethink. You need to get your mind renewed. So you walk in fellowship with the Spirit of God. Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord is what? Gracious and full. And what? Half full. Completely full of what? Compassion and quick to anger. If you listen to people, you think that God is quick to anger. All over the scripture, it's telling us that God is slow to anger. God, in fact, in Psalm 103, say, I don't treat you the way you are. Say, because I made you dust. I know who you are. Slow to anger and of how much mercy? Great. That's your God. Slow to what? And how much mercy? Great. Micah 7 verse 18. Who is a God like you? Somebody's phone, this Main Street phone is ringing here. The one they bought on sale. Okay, stopped. Micah 7, 18. Who is a God like you? Pardoning what? You hear some people, you think that God will never forgive anybody. Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnants of his heritage, he does not retain his anger for, yeah. Lord, forgive me for yesterday. Say, which one was yesterday? I don't retain those things. That's why I punished my son for you. People won't believe it. You know, when he's there, this thing, a man was talking about how God showed him a vision of his mercy, pouring all over the earth like, like uh, honey. Some people were taking it, some were rejecting it. 
And he said to some people, my mercy is blessing. To others, it's not. They want judgment, and they will get it. Be because he delights in mercy, he will again have compassion on us. Can I hear a big amen there? See how God answers prayer. James 1.5. If any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God who gives to how many people? Everyone. How many people? Everyone. How? Lee, bra, really. What does Lee, bra, really means? What does it mean? Huh? Plentiful. Beyond measure. That's how God answers prayer. He gives liberally. Libra means it's, it's a large and generous amount. God says, when I perform for you, I perform abundantly above all you can think or imagine. And he's telling us how he does this. But we won't believe him. Won't believe him. Romans 9, verse 15, tells us that it's not your gara gara fuka fuka. It is the mercy of God. It is what? The mercy of God. Romans 9, 15. For he says to Moses, I'll have mercy on whomever I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion. You see, he's always talking about his mercy, his compassion on whoever I will have compassion. So then, listen to the Holy Spirit. So then, it is not him that what? Wills. Nor him that what runs, but God who shows mercy. He said, It is not you, it's my mercy. It's my mercy. Then you say, Oh, he will have mercy on who he will have mercy. But in Christ, his mercy is yours. By covenant. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, 24. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. And to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of, what does it speak of? I can't hear you. I want to hear you. What does it speak of? Say it louder. Forgiveness. What, what brings forgiveness? Compassion. For God so loved the world. It's an act of his compassion. Compassion means not just to empathize with you, but to take action. Instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. That's why in Psalm 103, verse 4, he redeems me from death and crowns me with love and what? Tenderness. If he has crowned you with love and tender mercy, why do you think his compassion is not for you? Hebrew 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of throne of grace, that we may obtain what mercy and find grace to help us at the time of need. Does this does this mercy fail? No. You can see throughout Scripture that God is telling us, "I'm compassionate, I'm merciful. I will show you mercy. I will show you compassion. I delight in compassion. I don't even 
I don't prefer your sacrifice. I prefer mercy more than what? Sacrifice. Our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 7 verse 12. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out. The only son of his what? Mother. For a long time I was the only son. So I had accident. <laughs> and my mother believed I was dead. That they were deceiving her. So she had lined up with her friends in front of the church. You know, sitting down and crying how hopeless her life has become. The only, the only yam on the wall has fallen. <laughs> All that kind of thing. <laughs> she didn't believe that I survived it. It was a very bad one, but I did survive it. So I came back. They brought me back. I had terrible pain here. But in spite of that, I went to her and hugged her. Even when I was physically present, she was still looking, touching me. I said, <laughs> still touching. That would tell you where she had gone to. It took her time to come back to believe that this boy is still alive. And here was this woman in that situation, the only son. In Hebrew culture, it was serious. Just like the culture where we came from, where we came from, you know what it means. The only son. The only son. And she was a widow. Which means <laughs> there's no hope again. And much people of the city was with her. Why not? And when the Lord saw her, he had what? Compassion. That's his nature. When he sees you, you are sick, he has compassion. Because he's no respecter of what? If he had compassion on her, he would do something favorable. He had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. 14. And he came and touched the bear. And bear? Bear. Sometimes I don't pronounce this right. And you people don't know better. So all of us are in the same boat. So, so it is. It's, it's a, it, came, it came and touched the, the, the what? The beer. It's beer, yeah. And they, they that bear him stood still, and he said, "Young man, I say unto thee, what? Did you notice that Jesus never prayed for sick people? He spoke. He spoke to them." He's the source of life. He said, I came to give you life. He's the source of life. He never. He will rebuke this thing or touch you. And so he said, young man, I said unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered, watch what he did. Compassionate Jesus. He took the, the man to the mother. <laughs> he didn't say, well, it's okay, now you can. No, he took the man to the mother. So you can be comforted now. That's your son. The, that action means a lot. He took that boy. He, you know, somebody covered and he took him out. Brought him down and walked to the mother. And looked her in the eye and said, this is the mercy of God. I came to show the world the mercy of God. Take your son. 
Mark 14, 13. Are you following me? Mark 14, 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And when Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with what? Compassion towards them. What did he do? He healed their sick. Move with compassion. He saw them become compassion. He saw so many sick people. He became so compassionate. And compassion makes you do something. He healed their sick. Read the whole Bible. You know, there's this man that was possessed of the demons and was living in the tombs, and nobody could keep him. And Jesus went primarily to deal with that spirit. He, he, he rode in a boat, crossed that to go and deal with that spirit. And after dealing with that spirit, he went back. So after he dealt with that spirit and the man was free, I wanted to see what Jesus told him about that act in Mark chapter 5, verse 18. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. 19. How be Jesus suffered him not? They said unto him, Go home to who? Thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee. And had had compassion on them. It was compassion that moved me to do this. The compassion of God. It doesn't fail. And James writing to the church, I want you to have a serious paradigm shift about your God. Stop thinking about him as a wicked, judgmental, looking for who to kill. That's demonic. God never described himself like that. God is love. God is what? And God is good. Tell yourself, my God is good. I want you to say it again. My God is good. And he's good to me. James chapter 5, verse 11. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. James is talking about Job. See how the Spirit of God describes what happened to Job. Behold, he count them happy, which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. I have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very, what? Pitiful and of tender mercy. He said, that thing God did over Job was the tender mercy of God walking. Always the mercy of God. It's not our feet that run it, it's the mercy of God. So Jesus came and announced that he has come to demonstrate the mercy of God, to give us the privilege of divine mercy, divine love, divine compassion. That's what the gospel is all about. It's about showing how God loves the world, practically. That's why he took that man and gave it to the mother. He said, this is God's mercy for you. It's an act of mercy. He didn't earn it. He didn't do anything to earn it. It was divine compassion. So he came to the earth. And Luke chapter 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord, I'm reading Amplified. Amplified amplifies the word. That's what it means. It gives you meanings of this word. So that you can know, get it in better context. So the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. I'm the anointed one. I am the Messiah to preach the good news. What is good news to somebody sick? 
Huh? Healed. Healed. If you've never been sick, you don't get what I'm talking about. It's one of the most difficult times in anybody's life. Very, very He said, to preach good news, the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to announce release to captives. No matter what is keeping you, God sent me to set you free. Release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, who are bruised, who are crushed, who are broken down by calamity. 19, to proclaim the acceptable, accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. What does it mean? The day or when salvation and the free favor of God profusely, profusely abound. The day when grace and mercy and compassion is profusely, not, not, no, profusely. What is profusely? Huh? Abundance. Remember, the, James said, God answers in abundance. He said, that's why he said, I come to give you life. I give you life what? In abundance. He said, I brought God's mercy in abundance. In abundance. Isaiah 61 is what he was reading. Let me read it, Isaiah 61. Sir. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent, you know the poor means you have nothing to pay for this thing. You have absolutely nothing. Brethren, salvation is free, you can't pay for it. Okay? So, so to the poor, he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be set free. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the of Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oak that the Lord has planted for his own glory. You know the importance of knowing the mercy of God. Let me tell us something. Thursday I was teaching something. That the devil has hid this for, this for the church. And focus the church on power. Check everywhere and it's power. <laughs> I'm not joking. Check you live here. Everywhere is power. 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 Everybody's chasing power. But nobody wants to know the mercy of God. I want to show you how tricky and wicked the devil is. Paul, come up, come here. Just watch this. What walk like a soldier of the cross. Are you a Gentile? <laughs> let me show you. Brethren, watch this. I want to show you how wicked the devil is. Now, Paul is here. I'm, I'm a very rich man. I'm the rich man, right? My friend, get up. <laughs> I'm a very rich man. Man, I have money. When I mean money, it's shell everywhere. I have money in billions. Right? And this man knows I have money. He comes to know that I have what? Money. Equivalent to God has power. Do you think he will come for what? For me to money easily, even though he knows I have money. Will he come easily? 
I'm asking simple questions. Will he come easily? Why? Because he doesn't know whether I will give him or not. So he's knowing that I have money. It helps him because he knows this is where I can get it. But it doesn't give him all the help he needs. So the devil doesn't mind him knowing that I have the power. As long as he's not sure whether this power works for him. He keeps him in doubt. And as long as he's in doubt, what the prophet told the, the king is because you trusted in something else, the mercy of God didn't work for you. So he knows it won't work for him as long as he's in doubt. But let's change the story now. Now, Brother Dave comes to him and tells him, and say, you see that man that has money? Ha! I've been talking to him, and he wants to give you money. But he's been telling me, I, I fact, I have mission on this man. He's so poor, the way he's not eating. In fact, if he can come, I'll just give him money. And Brother Dave goes to him and said, do you know that man that has money? He said, yeah. I was talking to him. You know, he's telling me that he loves you so much, and he wants to give you money. He said, really? Yeah. He wants to. Will he come for it? Eh? What changed? He has found my readiness to bless him. But as long as he doesn't know that I want to give it to him, he will be hesitant. That's what the devil did to the church. Power here, yeah, power here, yeah, power. And because we are not sure, so we are looking for prophets, trooping around like people who don't have God. But somebody comes to him and said, you see your God, do? he has power, but that power is for you. He loves you. He cares about you. He has compassion. He you know what, what compassion means? Is to be eager to help, to yearn to help. So you tell him, God is yearning to heal you. Hey, he's yearning. He's, what he does to him, will he walk around to me? Huh? What changed? He found out my compassion. I don't know if you're following what I'm saying. The day he found out my compassion, he will run because he's now sure. So knowing the power is not enough. But understanding that God's eagerness to use it for you makes you embrace it all. So if the devil will come and truncate it and cut off this and make you think that God is wicked and difficult and will tend you to hell, you are not good enough for him, He's got you. He's got you. You can shout all your water about the power, but you will never have the confidence to come for him, to use the power for you. That's what he did to the church. So you talk, all you hear is power, 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 power. But nobody's sure if that power will for you. So they're looking for prophets, looking for pastors, looking for anointed people, looking for this, and looking for that. Who will tell them, thus said the Lord. But God here said, my mercy will never depart from you. And it's of the Lord's mercy you are not. If you understand me, shout hallelujah. So now you know that I have the power. Jesus said, for that is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And I'm yearning to help you. How, how, how does this affect your prayer? In the morning when he prays, he has what? If you touch him, he goes to his father. 
and he prays with trust in him. And that trust activates that compassion. I don't know if you follow me. Thank you. Praise the Lord. That's the only reason you don't have confidence in God. That's the only reason you are looking for prophets. That's the only reason you don't believe in your prayer. Because you don't know that he's yearning to hear you. He wants you to pray. He's, it's like, come on, talk to me. I, have, I don't want you in that state. I want to help you out. Talk, come on, pray, pray, pray. pray. Come to me, all you that are heavily. Everywhere is quiet. Did you call your prophet this morning? There's a sister here. He told me, he said, Pastor, I'll be ashamed to tell you how much that prophet took from me and my husband. He said, but the first day I came into the church, you gave a word of knowledge, and it was exactly me and my husband. And we had come to the breaking point where about it was disaster. And he said, you know, without effort, God healed me sitting where I was. I said, tell me how much you gave the prophet. Give me nine. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm just joking. He said, if I take, I'm ashamed to tell you what we did. Without effort, without nothing. You didn't even know us. God healed us sitting there. Why? It's the mercy of God. God wanted to show them, I've been wanting to do this for you for a long time. Can I ask you a question? How eager is God to help you? How eager? How eager is God to answer your prayer? Friends, the gospel is the good news of what God did for us because he saw us desperate, he saw us helpless, he saw us bound, he saw us in darkness, he saw us, the devil messed us up big time. Sin finished us. God saw it and he knew we were poor, couldn't do anything. Out of compassion, he did something. And that included healing. Look at uh, Matthew 10, 7. The gospel without preaching healing is incomplete. Totally incomplete. And standing here as your pastor, I need to repent and ask God to forgive me. Because we need to bring healing to the fore. It's part of the gospel. The mission of God is not just forgiveness of sin. It is your deliverance. It's your healing. It's everything that Christ died for is the mercy of God at work. So in Matthew chapter 10 verse 7, and as we go, as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is what? And verse 8, let's read verse 8 together. Everybody, let's go. One, two, go. Heal the sick. Go back to verse 7. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is what? At hand, and then go home. No. Verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the repers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received. Now freely go. Give them. It's the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God. Give them freely. They don't have to pay for it. Don't go there and be condemning them. It's free. It's God's mercy. It's God's compassion. It's his yearning to help them out. That makes it free. That brought it free to you. Luke chapter 10. 
After these things, the Lord appointed other 70. Are you following me? After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them out two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself will come. Verse 2. Therefore, say to you unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his uh, harvest. Go your, you, your, go your, your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse, nor script, nor shoe, and salute no man on the way, because they will distract you. They start, you start greeting them, they ask you, ah, I've never seen you in one year. And then they start talking, I won't continue what I sent you. Say, don't greet them. Verse 5, and into whatever house you enter, first say, peace be unto this earth. You've got to be polite and greet people. 6, and if the son of peace there be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall return to you again. And in the same house, remain, eating and drinking such things as they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his whole hire. Go not from house to house. Verse 8. And into whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as they said before you. Verse 9, and come on, and heal the sick that are there. Because God's compassion is on them. God, God is, is feeling their pain. God is feeling it. To heal the sick that they are there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has what? Come to set you free. Jesus said, I came to set you free. Ephesians 2 8. For by grace you are saved. Through what? Faith. And that not of yourself. It is a gift of our salvation is God's manifest mercy in action. That all this thing he did to save us is divine labor, divine activity. It's what he did on his own. It's not you. You have no role in it. You have no part in it. It doesn't, it doesn't need you. He did, because you're also bound. Our salvation is free. You have no role in it. If you, you can't pray and say, I want to pray now to be. No. God, God finished the work and said it is finished and invited you to come and take. You have no role in your healing. It's part of your salvation. Remember, it's not a fear that run it, or hear that should be. I mean, that will it is the God that showed what? Let me read it again. For by grace, you have, you were saved or healed, delivered through faith. And that not of yourself. You can't say to God, this is what I did to have your salvation. No, zero. Absolutely zero. Now in Acts chapter, if you are following me, shout hallelujah. In Acts chapter 14 verse 7, let's see that Paul preached the full gospel. Church, Christians, preach the full gospel. Include healing. Tell people that Jesus healed them. He bore their sins. He healed them. Declare it. We must preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Because it's not just forgiveness of sin. It's that he healed the sick. He delivered people from demonic power. The mercy of God is not only for forgiveness of sin. Let me say it again and again and again and again. Everything Jesus did on that cross is an act of divine mercy. All of it. And Paul was preaching the full gospel. Acts chapter 14 verse 7. And there they preached the gospel, the good news. And there sat a man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same had Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said unto him, said with a loud voice, stand upright in thy feet, on thy feet, and he leaped and walked. My question is, how did he believe he has been healed, if not that Paul told him? How did he believe somebody who has never walked? How did he believe, come to the point of believing I'm well and I can walk? Is it not that Paul preached the full gospel? That Jesus bore your sins, he bore your sicknesses, bore your infirmities, and he set you free. The man believed it. Praise the Lord. Number two point I want to make is that we need to get our tenses, our tenses right. Tense, English. Was, is, was, and, no, I didn't get, let me get another word. What word do we use now to, to show tenses? I, I am going, I went. Went is past tense. Going is what? Going is present, present part. Which one is present participle? Going. Okay, you confuse me finally. <laughs> I went. I'm, I'm going. What is I'm going? Is I'm going continuous? There's past tense, there's present tense, there is. Friends, listen to me. Come again here. Come. Please come. Well, I don't want to tell them you are owing me. But come. <laughs> now, let me see. Please watch what I want to show you. This things will help you. Because if you twitch this things, you see the thing work. It's one of the things that hurts us. Paul comes here. And I said to Paul, you know I have healed you. He said, yeah, that's true. He goes to me in prayer, because God said to him, I've healed you. He comes to me in prayer and said, Lord, I thank you that you, you will heal me. Is there agreement? I'm asking a simple question. Is there agreement? But he said, it's past tense on the cross. I did it there. It's finished. Jesus put your sickness and your pain on me. I carried it. But you come and say to him, Lord, heal me. He said, but I've done it. You can say, yeah. In fact, I'm waiting. One day he will. Do it. Is there agreement here? Can two walk together if there's no agreement? His language is past. Your language is it's no agreement. And as, as long as there's no agreement, you will not experience it. Because two can't work together. Except they agree. 
you must put your things correctly. If God says, I've done something, you have no other option than to say, you have done it. He said, I don't feel it, it's, it's not necessary. Just agree with him. The rest is up to him. You are not the performer of his word. He is the one. Second Corinthians 1 Corinthians 20. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes and through Christ our own amen. It has been fulfilled. You have been healed now. So I need to say amen. Yeah, you healed me. Now notice Isaiah 53 verse 4. Surely our sicknesses, what is tense there? He had, is it, is it heart, is it going to bear or? Huh? Already, surely our sicknesses he had what? But our pains he had carried. So if I want to agree with him, I just go to him and say, I agree with you. My sicknesses you have borne, and my pains you have what? Carried. And the devil said, but you still have pain. He says, it's not your business. I want to agree with him. Because when I agree with him, he performs the word. Simple. Just adjusting it. Adjusting it. And keep it where it should be. The Bible says, don't change your confession. Keep it there. Praise the Lord. In, in, that's Isaiah, Isaiah 53 verse 10. And Jehovah had delighted to bruise him. He had made him sick. It's not going to. He's <laughs> made him sick. Now let me talk about dealing with fear and worries. Do you know that sickness can bring fear and worries, especially if it's the one that threatens your life or the one that's incurable, the one that has all manner of terrible stories associated with them. It can bring fear. It can generate serious fear and worry. But it needn't be. God wants us to know him as compassionate, as loving. To start with, Jeremiah verse 9, chapter 9, verse 24. If you are following me, shout hallelujah. I'm sure you are, if you are just this, you see the thing right here. It's not difficult, because God will never lie. Jeremiah 9, 24. But let him who glorifies, glories, glory in this, that he, what? Understands. And knows me personally, practically, directly, designing, and recognizing my character. What is your character? God. Verse 25. That I am the Lord who practices what? Loving kindness. You know me like this. And judgment and righteousness on earth. He judged your sin on Christ. And gave you his righteousness. First John 4, 16. First John 4, 16 said, And we have known and believed the love that God had huh, for us. God is what? Love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. I want to explain this by the grace of God. Please listen to me. Paul, come again. Now I'm going to tell them how much you owe me. <laughs> no, I'm just joking, pulling his legs. 
He that dwelleth, uh, how do I show this one? There has to be, mm. can I have three people from here? Three, three boys. Three boys that are saved. If you are not saved, don't come. Okay, four of you that are saved, four. Come. Four. <laughs> Please come. I want us to show this thing in a way that everybody will. I want everybody to see it. Can you see us here? Are you, can you see us here? Uh, just want, I want to move this in a way. Can you help me move this thing? This is important that you understand it. Come and form a circle here. The fall of you. So form a circle and hold hands. God is what? Love. And the scripture says, so you know that God loves you and that God cares about you. That you are dwelling in God. Are you in Christ? In him we live. And him we So if this man is dwelling in Christ, in Christ inside. See, they don't like you. They, they hold their hand. This man is dwelling in Christ. And he's dwelling in God. And God is love. What, what is he mastering in the love of God? That's what that scripture is saying. That he that dwelleth in God dwelleth in his love. You are a master in his love. And if you are a master in his love, it assures you that his compassion for you will never fail. And that means that you don't have to fear anything at all. Perfect love casts out what? Fear. You are dwelling in Christ. You are dwelling in God. You are dwelling in love. You are a master in his love. You should know that. That's what the Bible is saying. So you, are, you don't have any doubt whether God is concerned about this. No, he is. And because you are dwell, in dwelling in him, you are dwelling in all his blessings that the love provides for you. Come on, church. Somebody wake up. Can I hear amen? amen. Okay, thank you. Okay, if you understand me, shout hallelujah. How many of you are dwelling in the love of God? Which means you are a master in it. How can anybody tell you that God is not concerned about it? And you listen. He said, you are, you are a master in my love. You are a master. I took you and put you inside it. Say, you are in my love. And it, you are a master in my mercy. You are a master in my compassion. I got you. I got you, babe. Say, did I say Men. Okay, I got you, women. <laughs> if you understand me, shout hallelujah. If you have that picture, fear will never touch you anymore. Because wherever you, know, wherever you are, you know, I'm in mass love. And his compassion faileth not. And because of compassion, because of his mercy, because of his love, I cannot be consumed. His love Give me Jesus. Give me healing. Give me attention. You hear my prayer. Because I'm in my... It's, oh, this scripture is so beautiful. Let, let me even read it. Let me even read it in another... Man, I feel so excited. Did you get what I'm saying? Yeah, let me read it in another place so you get the whole picture. This is GNT, new, Good News Translation. First John 4, 16. And we ourselves know and believe... See, they say we know and we believe 
the love God has for us. God is love. And those who live in love, who live in union with God, and God lives in, lives in, in union with them, they are the ones now that are immersed in love because God is love. Verse 17. Love is made perfect in us in order that we may have courage in the day of judgment. He said, because of this love, you can face anything. You, you, don't, you can face, even judgment, you can face anything. And we will have it because our life in this world is the same as Christ. Jesus was a master in the love of God. If you read him, he said, my father loved me and he showed me everything. He said, I'm a master in the love of my father. And he shows the son everything he does. Then in verse 18, it says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. So then love has not been made perfect in anyone who is still afraid. He doesn't understand that he's a master in the love of God. You are a master. Tell somebody what I said. You didn't hear me. You are a master in the love of God. Tell somebody what I said. You are a master in the love of God. Tell him one more time. You are a master in the love of God. That's where you are. The Bible says because that love is perfect. What can separate you from the love of God? The Bible says, is it tribulation? Is it the devil? Is it this one? Nothing. I say if you know that perfect love, of, it's not the love of your neighbor. Because your neighbor tomorrow can become your enemy. But the love of God is perfect. It doesn't change. It doesn't alter. It is pure. It is reliable, dependable. It's perfect love. He said, we'll cast out fear from you. Lord, I've said all you told me. <laughs> Are you getting it? Lamentation 3.22 says, it is of the Lord's mercy then that we are not, because his compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. How can you be afraid? When you are master in the love of God. And it's a perfect love. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today. It's not like you and me. Our love can change. It soon doesn't change. And the other thing I want to mention before I stop is that you, you don't have to fear because you have to enter into the rest of God. God has finished everything. So don't be afraid. If I do, you don't have to do anything. All you need to do is to come and take it. See, we get worried because we are thinking, I need to do this one. I need to All those calculations, God didn't give you a calculator. Take your calculator and keep it side somewhere. The work has been finished from the foundation of the earth. I like what Young Cho said. Young Cho said if, if God needed help, he would have created Adam, Adam first to help him create other things. But he didn't need Adam. He didn't need Eve. He finished everything and now created them. You know the first day they lived was a day of rest. After I finished, what we followed was not a day of labor. It was rest. What God is saying is I finished. All these are now yours. Enjoy them. Can I hear amen? Then you come to new creation. God did the same. He finished everything in Christ. And then God was created in Christ. And I said, all the blessings are now yours. Come and what? You don't, I don't need you to help me. Finish it up. Hebrew 3, 4, 18. 
That's what it means to enter his rest. To enter his rest means to depend on what he has finished is giving you. If I'm, cooking, if I'm cooking this afternoon, please don't come to my house. I'm not cooking. If I'm cooking this afternoon and I invite you and I've cooked jollof rice, fried cockroach, fried, <laughs> fried whatever, <laughs> bubunia, bubunia, everything. And then Chinese, and then the, the, this one that they eat raw, raw fish. I've done sushi. I've done everything for you. And you step into my, let me ask you a question. If you step into my house, what did I invite you to come and do? To go to the kitchen. Huh? What did I invite you to come and do? Come on. Didn't you hear God said, the kingdom of God is like a rich man who threw a party? Didn't you hear God say that? He says, like a rich man. He said, you make it a table, what? For mine. The table is set. Food is there. Jesus said, healing is the children's bread. It's part of the feast. Come and chop it. You didn't hear God said, the kingdom of God is like a rich man who threw a party. He invited you to come and eat. Now, if you come to my house, you have entered my rest because I didn't invite you to labor. Now, supposing you come to my house, I run all over the kitchen. I will call intervention. Something is definitely wrong because you didn't understand my invitation is that I have finished the cooking. Finish the food. All I want you to do is come in here and do what? Serve yourself is buffet. When will we understand? When will we agree with God? When, will I, when are we going to say to God, you are right? When? Oh, we like labor. We will sleep 12 midnight, 1 a.m., 3 a.m. Turn to the right, turn to the left. And one day you have hypertension. You do killing yourself or not? Killing, just run around. Why are you doing that? All these things have been finished and it's all yours. No, 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 pastor, you don't understand. Oh, no, pastor. Hey, 1 a.m. The scripture says he giveth his beloved what? Sleep. If God does not sleep, he does not slumber, why are you awake? Did he invite you to be awake? So let's read this scripture. If you are following me, shout hallelujah. Hebrews 3, 18. And to whom swear he that they will not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. See? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. That's why they will not trust him. They won't believe him. You know, they want to have a corner. You know, the Lord asked me a question sitting here. <laughs> he said, he said, hey. He said, all these things you people do, trying that it's what you do that makes me do so. He said, what part of the glory is yours? And what part is mine? Since you want to share in the glory to show me what you've done for it. Okay, now, what part of the glory will I give you for what you have done? And then what part is my own? Answer it. Answer it. Tell him. Lord, see this one is one I did. That's, that's my portion of your glory. So this other one is what you did. This is a portion of your, and go and share it with him and see, see where you end up. It's the beginning and the end, and everything in between. Lord, can I say, okay, I have to obey you. Hebrews 3, 1. For we, we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said. As I have sworn in my right, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the eight, they are running around, they won't stop. 
said they won't enter the benefit of that. Look at Hebrew 14. For he that is entered into his rate has ceased, has also had ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us therefore, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the example of unbelief. Praise the Lord. I will stop here. If you understood me, shout hallelujah. Stop struggling. He's healed you. Stop. There's nothing you can do about it. Just go and take it. <laughs>